16 days separate us from the Republican National Convention that was once in Charlotte, then Jacksonville, and is now back in Charlotte in miniature form. From WFAE Charlotte's NPR News Source, I'm Lisa Worf. And I'm Steve Harrison. And this is the Inside Politics Podcast. The timing for this event is not right, just not right with what's happened recently, the flare-up in Florida. To have a big convention, it's not the right time. Today on the podcast, we're going to catch everyone up on what a dizzying month it's been. We'll be joined by Eric Spanberg of the Charlotte Business Journal. But first, we're going to do a recap of the last few weeks. And so quickly, on Friday, August 20th, the GOP says a few hundred officials will meet in Charlotte to have a small business-only meeting. A few committees will meet that weekend. And then on Monday morning, August 24th, the delegates are supposed to nominate the president. And the old plan was to then fly to Jacksonville for three nights of speeches. But since that's over, it looks like they will all fly home. Instead of giving you a blow-by-blow of all the back and forth, we thought it would be fun to give you a taste of all the contradictory, conflicting statements made about Charlotte's convention. We'll start with the president, who, at the start of the pandemic, compared COVID to the flu. From 27,000 to 70,000 people get infected. But by late May, the number of coronavirus cases in North Carolina was increasing so fast that the state's top health official, Mandy Cohen, was concerned about the RNC. If we continue to see our numbers go up and um, and we aren't in a different position, I think mass gatherings is going to be a very big challenge. And at first, Ronna McDaniel, the chair of the Republican National Committee, said she was willing to work with the state. We're going to put the safety of the attendees and the president of the United States and the vice president, first and foremost. And if that means wearing masks, we're going to have people wear masks. But President Trump wanted a full arena, and then it all fell apart. President Trump is tweeting tonight that North Carolina has lost the Republican National Convention this summer. And then, of course, the RNC decided to move the event to Jacksonville. First of all, we are going to keep the business of the convention in Charlotte. That's, that is for sure. It's going to be smaller and scaled down. The decision to move most of the convention to Jacksonville, Florida, stunned the local host committee, including its president, John Lasseter. Well, I think right now we're trying to amicably work through our differences and make sure that our obligations are paid. Then coronavirus cases started increasing in Jacksonville, too. City Council President Tommy Hazuri was concerned. If they can come, spend their money, no virus, peaceful protest, and go home, that would be great. But, you know... That's you're expecting a miracle, and that that ain't going to happen. And then it was over. But all I know is I'll be in North Carolina, and that's a very big deal because we have a lot of the delegates there, and that'll be a nomination process. And that's essentially where the nomination, where it's formalized. And after the Republicans scrapped the Jacksonville part of their convention, all that was left was the small business-only Charlotte meeting. The GOP floated the idea that President Trump would come to Charlotte to accept his nomination, but Kellyanne Conway told WBT that's not going to happen. Well, it's highly doubtful because the governor won't allow. Uh, The governor really is uh, being very obstinate toward the RNC and the president. And I think that gives you a little taste of this insane roller coaster we've all been on. And now that it looks like Charlotte will have all of the RNC, even if it's very small, we're going to talk about where the city goes from here. 
Joining us is managing editor of the Charlotte Business Journal, Eric Spamberg. Hey, Steve. Hey, Lisa. Hey. And let's talk about a few key points about this convention, because there's still so much that we don't know about how it's going to unfold. But first, let's start and just talk about Jacksonville and what went wrong and why the Republicans pulled the plug. I think that, you know, what you heard leading up to this was the security being a real difficulty and making sure that Jacksonville, you know, the sheriff was saying, we don't have the resources to do this. This usually takes 18 months and we are kind of in the lurch here. And the Jacksonville paper was reporting that, you know, usually police officers across the the state will will chip in and, and help out with that. And they were just having a hard time getting any officers to, to come. Then you hear, you know, as far as, you know, the New York Times is doing sort of the backstory of, you know, AIDS warning and saying, hey, this is going to be looking difficult. You have all these hotel contracts that you're going to have to, to sign and drive up that cost. And, you know, maybe, maybe... President Trump, you should you should think about putting this on hold because it's going to be a real difficulty financially wise. I mean, who would have thought that uh, something that takes two years of preparation couldn't be done in two months? It's just <laughs> shocking, isn't it? Exactly. I, I think you're right, though, Lisa. I mean, not only with the security, but I think the financial aspect is tremendously important here. I, I think that they saw all of these hotel and vendor contracts coming up that they would have to make commitments to. And they were having difficulty raising money. There were numerous reports of that. And then you had a reluctant partner, shall we say, in Charlotte. The organizers here had made it pretty clear that they weren't going to do a whole lot to help Jacksonville raise money. And so I think that you look at all those things and you have a recipe for what you wound up with, which is maybe not so fast. And so another issue was that there was going to be a scheduled vote in the Jacksonville City Council last week about how they were going to spend the security money for the convention, um, whether they were gonna give the authority to the mayor and administration to do that. Even though this is a Republican City Council, there was a big movement by Democrats to put a stop to that. And, And it seemed like that there was a possibility that the mayor uh, could lose that vote. And that would have been a huge challenge and, and an embarrassment to have the city essentially turn this thing down. So I think that was probably also a part of uh, part of what happened. But then, like you said, Eric, so much of this came down to money and delegates having to put down deposits on hotel rooms. And, and right. And remember, you know, here in Charlotte, uh, they had raised uh, something on the order of 37, 38 million dollars. Uh, and so a lot of those contributions now become money that could not be recouped uh, on the Jacksonville side, so to speak. And again, I, I don't think there was any interest from the Charlotte organizers to help out uh, beyond just kind of the basics uh, of what they had to do. Certainly, I'm not saying that they torpedoed this in any way. I think the challenges were just overwhelming in Florida to begin with. And remember that when this was moved initially, uh, Florida was not the hot spot anywhere near the hot spot that it is now. So I think you, you add that to it, and it really just became mission impossible. You know, as far as the security grant, you have Charlotte saying, hey, you already owe us $16 million for really a convention that doesn't look like it's going to happen. Well, maybe, maybe it does happen in some (laughs) sense. So yeah, Lisa, I want to talk to you about that for a minute, because going back to July 20th, before 
the Republicans pulled the plug on the convention. The Charlotte city attorney sent the RNC a letter. It was kind of outlining where the city is and pleading with the Republicans to not do anything more. And so what did you think of that, of the city's response there? Well, in some ways, it was trying to hold the RNC um, to its word that it was going to dramatically reduce the size of the convention. I mean, pointing out this notice that they had, the city had received earlier saying those words and saying, look, you told us not to spend any more on this. We've spent $16.7 million and we expect that back. And pointing out that it's going to be a difficult situation if there's anything more than that. And right now we're just kind of in that wait and see mode. I mean, after all this whiplash over these uh, several few weeks, it's really hard to know what to expect. I mean, President Trump has said he's going to be in North Carolina for his acceptance speech. Does that mean he's going to be in Charlotte? I think it's really interesting the way that you see the Charlotte city attorney and, and clearly uh, those who are surrounding him in city government using the RNC's words against the RNC. Mm-hmm. They had a sense that things were going south in Jacksonville and they were going to cut off any reclamation project, clearly, because this came out several days before the president pulled the plug on Jacksonville. And and so what Patrick Baker, the city attorney, did was very smart and very clever, which is he kept referring to the June 12th letter that the RNC attorneys had sent telling Charlotte to scale back. Uh, we're not going to do the major events there. We're going to Jacksonville. And so the breakup letter kind of boomeranged on them a bit. Yeah. And you get a sense, I mean, because there's an agenda for the revised, you know, business portion of the RNC here, you get a sense of very broadly what those activities might be and um, that it is such a reduced scale. You know, for example, you know, a a notice of the the budget committee meeting or the RNC standing committee on on rules and things like that um, that are taking place over the the weekend before people were supposed to jet off to to um, Jacksonville on Monday. That agenda even includes, that itinerary even includes two o'clock. Everybody busts to the airport and head to Jacksonville. I mean, <laughs> exactly. It's just, it's just so cut and dried in some ways. And the other thing, talking to people around town, uh, you know, many people didn't necessarily want to go on the record. But what I came away with is that the scaled down version of the convention headed to Charlotte is being viewed as kind of a rerun of the summer meeting that the Republicans held in Charlotte last year. And that was essentially, you know, a corporate business conference. It wasn't a big media to do. And yes, there were people there, a couple hundred, maybe a few, I guess 336 is the number we keep using for the scaled back version of the RNC. But, you know, obviously not anywhere near the 50,000 people overwhelming media spotlight that most people envisioned when we started this conversation way back in 2018. Eric, you talked about that RNC meeting last summer that was a corporate business meeting, and there are indications that we may have a repeat of that. The Associated Press reported there'll be no press at the renomination event, which would probably be unprecedented. But there was a lot of pushback to that decision about the press, and an RNC official told me over the weekend that no final decision has been made, so it's possible that the media could have some access to the renomination. 
And I think a big factor for the GOP that is if you were bringing only 336 delegates and some other officials, you would probably have close to that many media people wanting to cover this non-event. And so having all these people is going to make it harder to keep your numbers down and comply with whatever health protocols you've agreed to with the state. Because remember, before they moved the convention to Jacksonville, they had to put together this detailed written health and safety plan. The governor and Mandy Cohen said it wasn't good enough. But this time, I haven't heard anything about a written plan and how they're going to keep people safe and social distance inside a hotel ballroom. And Steve, you, you've been checking on that with the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services. It sounds like they don't have a plan, but are they actively pushing them? I mean, that's a great question because, like I said, when they were going to be here for the big convention, they had to put together the detailed written plan. Now, obviously, that was going to be thousands of people and a much bigger deal, but this is still probably 500 people. I mean, 336 delegates plus some more. And DHHS says, we haven't, we don't have a written plan. We haven't asked for a written plan. They said, well, we've been talking to them by phone about what they're going to do. But, you know, it just seems like once they decided to go to Jacksonville, everyone just kind of forgot about it and said, whatever. It it feels like everyone lost interest and or just didn't want to think about it, didn't want to fool with it, because a corollary to that is on the media side. I mean, we we have heard nothing. You know, I've kind of secondhand been told that the convention center in the Westin will be the main venues for whatever happens here. Uh, But we've heard nothing about it credentialing about what media will be allowed to see or not see. It's just uh, really like this mystery event all of a sudden. And now, of course, you throw in the president's speech, which may or may not be technically part of the convention. He, He may accept the nomination, but may not speak. I mean, it just goes on and on and on with this. And I think I think that's an interesting point about the president, this tease of, is he going to come to Charlotte? Is he going to come to North Carolina? Because I think if he's not anywhere around, it's kind of a non-event. But if he comes to Charlotte, even to speak virtually, I think the potential for protests and this becoming a big deal, it grows exponentially. What do y'all think? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's true. I mean, and then at that point, what do you do with security? What fallback plan do we have in that case? Well, yeah, I think there's so many interesting questions and negotiations in there going back to the city attorney's letter. So he said, in essence, 17 million and the other 33 million was designated for Jacksonville. Well, now what happens? Jacksonville's out, but Charlotte has said it's going to be scaled back. So who negotiates any additional security? And by the way, What the president said so far, it's hard to tell, again, whether it's technically going to be part of the convention. So could this just be sort of a standalone rally speech type of event? And to throw a little more mystery in there, every venue I've spoken to and plenty of other reporters have spoken to said they have had no contact from campaign or RNC or anyone else for the president to deliver a speech. And Mayor Lyles told me, well, the president can go to any city he wants to, uh, so certainly he can come here as well. But there are health protocols that will have to be followed that are established by the state. So you can see this turning into a rerun of the debate we were having around Memorial Day that led to all the events that we just cataloged. 
And I was going to say, going, going back to those health protocols, I mean, it, it has been a little frustrating, like I said before, that there is no written plan that the state has. I reached out to the county health department and said, are you guys talking to the RNC? What's the, the status there? The county referred me to the city because the city deals with the contracts. But of course, the city does not have a health department. So no one really seems to be wanting to kind of take control and have a role in managing this, supervising it. So, well, and another thing I, I wanted to mention is uh, at uh, city council, uh, there was a, a brief discussion, Braxton Winston, the councilman brought up this idea, and this was before Trump uh, had mentioned the idea of speaking in Charlotte. He was already concerned that security would not be sizable enough and his reference was Jacksonville's out. Charlotte is kind of the only place for people to go protest or counter protest. So how are we going to prepare for this? And the city manager has said that there will be a public uh, hearing on the RNC on August 10th. So maybe we'll get a better sense then. But remember, that's only two weeks before uh, this group of delegates is scheduled to hit town. Yeah. And who's to say if something is announced next week that it doesn't change again? I mean, it's just been back and forth and back and forth and very difficult to plan. Well, thank you guys very much for talking about what we know and what we don't know about this convention. I think that over the next month, we're going to have another back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And uh, <laughs> who knows what we're going to end up with. But Eric, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Lisa. And that's the latest on the RNC in Charlotte. For more updates, make sure to go to WFAE.org. New episodes of this podcast are available as soon as news breaks. So don't miss out. Subscribe to Inside Politics, the RNC in Charlotte, for free on Apple Podcasts, NPR One, or your favorite podcast app. If you like the episode, make sure to give it a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. And you can support WFAE's journalism by hitting the donate button on WFAE.org. Until next time, I'm Lisa War. Catch you real soon on Inside Politics, the RNC in Charlotte. <laughs>